0: and visit Bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What
2: the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck.
3: What the heck?
2: Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck right here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all having a great week, perhaps still buzzing from that UFC 256 event this past Saturday night. That entire event ruled, in my opinion. 256 is the runaway event of the year. We'll be talking about how that event started, how that event ended on the program. As we're uh, we're approaching award season, a lot of discussions to be had at the year-end awards. And a lot of that discussion comes from UFC 256. So if you checked out the event, you were happy about it. If you decided to pass on it, shame on you. Don't pass on these events. It was awesome. Go back and watch it. You will not be sorry. But if you missed it, we also dove deep into the main event from multiple journalistic opinions. Charles Oliveira's big win over Tony Ferguson. Kevin Holland's incredible capper to his 5-0 2020 on Between the Links with Jed Mishu, myself, and Sean Shadi. So head on back into the archives after you watch this. You can check that out. But, of course, the UFC ends their 2020 campaign this Saturday with UFC Vegas 17, the main event. Fascinating one. Steven Wonderboy Thompson taking on the surging Jeff Neal, of course. The main event was originally supposed to be Leon Edwards against Hamzat Shemaev. We all know what happened there. Looks like potentially we could see that fight happen on January 20th. Nothing's been made official, but it seems that that's the direction they're heading. But Wonderboy versus Jeff Neal is a fun fight. No doubt about that. We got Jose Aldo versus Marlon Vera in the co-main event. Michelle Pajeda versus Chaos Williams. Are you kidding me? That fight is going to be insane. We got Anthony Pettis versus Alex Morano. Marlon Moraes versus Rob Font and so much more this is going to be a fun one to cap off 2020 that's for sure but let's let us run down the lineup and we'll get to our first guest wrapping us up and if you miss it on tuesday night when we released it you can check it out on this show my chat with brandon moreno following his incredible flyweight championship draw with davis and figuardo what a fight that was it's it's so damn good and Moreno has been one of my absolute favorite fighters to interview in 2020. You'll hear that conversation in its entirety at the tail end of the program. Chaos Williams, the aforementioned Chaos Williams, returns to the program. And man, is he focused on this fight with Michel Pajeda on Saturday night at the Apex. We'll check in with the Oxfighter, one of the breakout fighters of the year a little bit later on. Chase Hooper will join us once again coming off his come from behind. Third round heel hook submission win over Peter Barrett to kick off UFC 256 and yes he has gone back and watched the fight with commentary we will discuss that and much more with the 21 year old Chase Hooper after Wonderboy and Jeff Neal do the damn thing this Saturday the next main event for the UFC will take place on January 16th as Max Holloway will fight Calvin Cater in a massive featherweight matchup we will speak With one Calvin Cater in around 20 or so minutes. But first, we say hello to one of the big stars of UFC 256. And man, this guy delivered an outstanding finish of Daniel Pineda in the second round. 14 months away. His name, Cub Swanson. And I just want to throw this out there. Zoom. You guys know Zoom. It is a wonderful tool. It's been an, an exceptional help for businesses, for families around the world. Especially during these trying times during this pandemic but sometimes when you need zoom to record interviews sucks it kind of sucks from time to time it is inconsistent you never know what it's going to look like after you press stop after a recording you just don't know how it's going to look but it recorded this way And it could be worse. You could have... You get to see Cub Swanson the entire time. At least you don't get to see this mug the entire time. But enjoy my chat with the one, the only, Cub Swanson kicking us off this week on What The Heck. All right, let's say hello to one of the big winners from this past Saturday's UFC 256 event. He knocks out Daniel Pineda in the second round. First fight and over... 14 months and in a year like this we needed a good feel good story and that's exactly we got on saturday night cub swanson joins the program how are you man i'm doing great thanks that was some fight i mean that that first round was absolutely insane there was a little bit of everything leg kicks fight was on the mat on the feet submission attempts knockdowns little bit of everything uh cub heck of a first five minutes of action after 14 months away was it not
4: (laughs) yeah um you know, I was definitely trying not to get kicked in the leg so much, but uh, yeah, that was a factor, and uh, you know, it made it a it made it an interesting fight.
2: How were how was the leg feeling heading into the second round? Because clearly, the momentum had shifted in your favor at the end of the round. Is it? It's it's kind of that mind over matter type of deal. What's your mind telling you as you're getting ready to head to the stool in between those two rounds?
4: Um, I, I knew it basically was telling me like, look, you you're fine right now, but let's, let's not keep pushing it. Let's not take too many more of those. Uh, let's, let's get to work. Um, that's, that's pretty much what my mind was telling me in between rounds.
2: You're like, let's get this thing done before the adrenaline starts to wear off. Right?
4: Exactly. Exactly. Well, just cause I knew my knee was pretty solid. Everything I had done. Um, I, I, I feel like I did a great job rehabbing it. Every, all the people I had around me, helping me, um, everyone's like, just trust it, just trust it. And yeah, I, I was trusting it, but maybe a little too much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did it take a little bit of time like, to, to kind of deal with that? I mean, you've been in the fight game for a while, but when you have an injury like that and the rehab and all those things, it, it's, it's only natural to kind of think about it a little more than, than maybe some people would and vice versa. But like, what was that like for you? Was it, was it easy to trust it or was it something you had to work on? No,
4: it was pretty easy for me to trust it. it I think what kept me in check was, knowing that whatever I did to it, whatever envelope I pushed, you know, um, I was going to have to do that much more rehab. So every training session that I, that I pushed it really hard, I'd have to pull back on the other side and go, okay, I don't, now I got to ice it twice as much. I got to rest it. I got to take this day off. So that, that, that was more of the headache during the whole camp.
2: Second round in this fight, man, big shots early. You had him in big, big trouble. He had that deep single on you, but you were able to stay on your feet before you landed the right hand at ultimately end of the fight. When you got through that single and, and stayed on your feet, did you know deep down, like the end was near? Because it seemed to me watching him from home, his confidence was kind of in a rough place after that. Did you sort did you sort of feel that as well?
4: Uh, I, I kind of knew when I was sitting in between the first and second round on the stool, um, my cornerman was trying to give me advice and all that, but i i was I really was just thinking about, I know this is about to be over. Uh, I, was, I was telling myself, don't take any more leg kicks. It's a little unnecessary. Um, but I just knew that he couldn't recover. I, I saw the way he was wobbling um after i I dropped him in the first, and i i I landed some nice elbows at the end of the round. Um, but yeah, I knew. I knew that he couldn't recover. I knew he was going to come back, and it would only take another shot to really get him, you know, wobbling around. So I I was confident that the fight was going to be over in the second round.
2: First finish since July of 2013, six and a half years, and it was one of the best finishes of your entire career. Getting a win after going through that injury would have been great on its own, I'm sure, but going out there and doing that and putting him away the way that you did, that must have felt like a million bucks.
4: Well, it did just with everything that was going on, you know, just, you know, the, I've talked about it. The fourth fight losing streak just well, was different from my career and it, it felt like it was hard to shake. Um, and it got to a point like even in the Kron fight um, where I've had so much time in between fights, you know, and you think about the last time you were in there, you have little memories. Of, oh, yeah, this is what it felt like. And all those memories were attached to losses, you know, so it, it, it was, it was difficult, you know, so uh, trying to tell yourself, don't have those thoughts it, is, is not easy. You know, it's just, it's, it's something that comes with it. So, like I said, with everything that was going on with 2020 being so crazy with the injury, with, you know, trying to, to come back and have a, a great performance and, and to actually go out there and do it, it was amazing.
2: I've talked to so many fighters over the years and I feel not, not all of them have felt this way, but I feel like a vast majority of them at some point in their career, they have to find the love for the sport again. Like it just becomes taxing at times, especially doing what you guys do and training every day and getting in fights. Sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. You went through a rough stretch. Was there a time for you where you had to dig down and find that, that love for the sport again, or, or did you always love it and never sort of veered away from you?
4: Yeah, I mean, I I've always loved it, but I think it, it's your motivation for me that that's been the hardest thing. Was you know when I was when I was super young and and everybody that you know has been a fan of mine since like even the WEC days, I was I was just tough as nails, uh, fearless, and, and and I that's what made me tick, you know, and and I'm not those things anymore, you know. I'm 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 fearless, but i plan ahead I, i'm strategic um i'm smarter you know um that i'm just i'm just a different person than i was then so i think that you know digging down and finding out you know where your where your head's at when the fight is about to come that you know i used to go to a dark place and i don't that's not really a place i want to go anymore you know i got i got kids i enjoy my life i I have a good time and I don't feel like I needed to go there anymore. And this time was the first time I kind of accepted that and just it's like, Hey, you you know, time to evolve. And I feel like I've been struggling with that over the last, you know, four or five years um, where sometimes you show up, sometimes you don't, you're like, what's my deal. And I feel like this one just, it clicked and it was like, like, I felt like I, I graduated in a sense to a, to a new level.
2: Yeah. You accepted Cub 2.0 is here. Like you're, yeah. Not, not, now you're just a different, you know, different mindset, different guy, different motivations. You weren't in the dark place heading into the fight, but like, what, it, what kind of place were you in? Like, what was that? What were some of the things you were thinking about? Like, what, what were some of the different things that, that were going on in your mind? I, I was relaxed,
4: you know, before I would take me, I would listen to music. I would, I would start to like, let this dog out of me, you know, and, and uh, transform into like, this this dark part of me that was vicious, and um, I would come out and be pumped. But part of what the downside of that is sometimes you could be too pumped and you're tight and you're not as fluid as you want to be. Um, and and I knew that for this fight, I needed to be fluid, I needed to go out there and and be fast and be snappy. Um, and so I thought that going to that place is just gonna make me stiff and make me tight. And that wasn't going to be a, a good thing for me. Um, and and so I think when I just, I, I thought about the way I go when I go spar these pro boxers all the time. And my, you know, I'm like, man, these dudes hit hard. I need to be on point. And usually what I do is I'm just relaxed. I don't do a lot of warming up. I'm, I think about everything I'm going to be doing. And I just kind of took that approach. Um, and and I, I just felt, it felt
2: right. Did not having a crowd help that did it help enhance it because normally when you come out and you see all those people you're just like it's kind of hard not to get fired up and, and allow yeah. yourself to get in that place did not having a crowd sort of help enhance that in your I, mind a little I bit I think so yeah
4: and now that was one of the things I was excited about I was like you know it's just one less thing that you got to deal with and that was part of the reason I think I had to learn how to pump myself up too was to even you know I'm I'm you know, pretty shy, quiet person in, in, in general. So for me to have to go out and perform in front of 20,000 people, sometimes you do gotta pump yourself up and kind of mentally prepare for that. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens when we get back to crowds uh, and how I'll make those adjustments. I think I'll do fine. But uh, just for, you know, this time having no crowd and, and, and just being able to just focus on just that one task, uh, it felt nice.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of fighters that they actually prefer it. They prefer not fighting in with, with the crowd because it takes some pressure off. It's almost like a, a high-level sparring match seems to be a, a cliché thing they say. And you can yeah. hear not just your corner, you can hear your opponent's corner. It's like it's still – it's it's a little more relaxed, but it's like a little more primal too in a way. Like what did you think yeah. of the whole experience?
4: Well, I also think that because I was thinking about it when we first had the no crowd – Uh, fights started getting a little bit more brutal, you know? I was like, this is interesting, you know, that we're having, you know, tougher fights. And it it dawned on me finally, we always uh, assume that the crowd is affecting the winner. But I think more so the, the crowd influences the loser. So when you're losing a fight and you're hearing boos and you're hearing, oh, when you're getting hit, I think it's making fighters give in sooner and I think since we've had no crowd you're getting fighters not realizing they're losing is bad
2: and they're fighting harder and they're fighting longer that's my theory that's a really good way to look at it what about the do you notice a difference between like the big cage and the small cage because that's been like a big debate here in 2020 is are the fights better in the big cage Dana White said oh there's no difference in the numbers but it feels like with the fans and the media members are like the small cage rules because it seems like it, you can't help but have action, you know what i mean yeah well i
4: mean it's it's old school WEC day size so <laughs> yeah. uh yeah i it definitely uh forces more action, and then uh I was pretty happy because I have the same size at my u f c gym in Costa mesa um and that's where I did all my training so uh up until the last two weeks when things started to get shut down again, I was able to use that cage and and have the exact same you know, replica. So uh I, I was happy with it. I I I thought he was gonna try to take me down a little bit more. And so we were worried about the size being a factor, but it ended up being just fine.
2: The post fight interview is amazing because as a dad myself, like I I totally understood where you're coming from. Like our kids can sometimes put us on this pedestal and it, it almost feels at times impossible to live up to that. And it, and it gets with your mind a little bit. Like you're the, like for you, like you're their superhero. Like you had a, and you had a superhero like yeah. performance. Like it's amazing what the mind can do when things get tough. You can think about them and it gives you like that extra bit of oomph you need to to get through those hard times. It seemed yeah. like, it seemed like in that moment, you knew you made them proud. And that's a pretty powerful thing, is it not?
4: <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I, I'm one of those people that, you know, when I've coached fighters, I've I've been very stern and and very direct, and and tell them, you know, sometimes you just got to suck it up, and 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 that's what we do. So when it's my turn and and I'm feeling that pressure and and I'm feeling all those those things that you know maybe make you feel weaker, um, I, I just don't remind myself like, hey, man, you you preach it, you know you you gotta you gotta be you got to be the man, you got to, you got to do your thing. So um, that's kind of a, the mindset I had and knowing that my kids are pretty young now, but they're going to look back on these days and they're going to be like, you know, this is how you felt at that, that point And you still did it. Um, that, you know, that's inspiring. And, and that's kind of like how I was thinking about it. Also, I, I feel like this day and age, you know, we got a lot of people that, that want to, put on shows and you know act a certain way I feel like uh, at this point in my career I'm more inspirational to a lot of these up-and-coming fighters and I want them to know like that everyone has these feelings you know it's normal and it's it's part of it and it's good it it makes you stronger it makes you learn how to 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 deal with these kinds of things so I don't want to put on this fake front like it like we're indestructible and like we don't have feelings and we don't you know uh get scared. Um, and, and, and I just, I wanted to make that known that, that we all deal with it. That's awesome, man. How how old, how old are your kids? If
2: you don't mind me asking,
4: I have a three-year-old and two, two two-year-olds.
2: Oh, there you go. Oh boy. So you're running around like a madman.
4: Three kids in diapers. Yeah. it's, (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. So like, even now I got, you know, I got this broken hand. Um, you know, I'm still changing diapers. My, my wife is helping out a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm um, you know, still got to get them out of their crib and change diapers and do all those things. Like, so
2: yeah, you can't, I mean, you can go between fights. You can't go between like rounds of being a dad. It just doesn't stop.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And it, and they should, like, I got no excuse. You know, I got, you know, my hands hurt, but you know, they still need their diaper changed and they still need to be fed and put to bed and all that stuff.
2: There are many people out there in MMA fanland cub who thought you got the big fat hose job when it came to the bonuses. Like the fight of the night was a no brainer because the main event ruled. And then we knew Kevin Holland was going to get one because that knockout of Jacare was crazy. But there's a lot of folks who felt you should have got that fourth bonus over Raphael Fazee because it seemed like yours was more emphatic and without any controversy whatsoever. What say you did? Did you feel like you got shortchanged a little bit in the bonus department?
4: Um, I feel like if I said, yeah, I, I, I'm being ungrateful because I mean, I've had so many, um, and it's funny, like some of my biggest knockouts, I didn't get bonuses, uh, the George Roop fight. I didn't get it. And I made sports center, uh, this one, but I mean, it's okay. As long as I'm always in contention, um, uh, then, then I'm doing my job. You know, it's a, a stat that if people, would never say, but I'm pretty proud of is even all my losses were a uh, bonus involved. So I think aside from maybe one or two, you know, so I've won a lot of bonuses. I've, I've helped other people get bonuses, but the, the fact of the matter is I'm in a, it's an exciting fight and the people want to watch it.
2: Does it mean more to you that you entertain so many people that people were still are still talking about the finish over getting the bonus itself? Yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, those are the kinds of things that, that last forever, you know, is, you know, legacy. Um, I'm known to be an exciting fighter and, and putting it all out there. So, I mean, for my family, uh, I, I always want more money because it, it, it helps around here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, at this point in my career, everything I make, I'm I'm, I'm you know, making sure that it, uh, it set me and my family up for forever.
2: Maybe they're uh, planning on what they did with Figueredo after his previous fight. Maybe they'll just give you a big bag of cash to make up for it. I mean, that would be nice.
4: <laughs> I definitely wouldn't complain about that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I said this, uh, you know, in a, in a tweet is like, I, I gotta be grateful. They, man, when I injured my knee, uh, in that grappling tournament that there was, uh, special event insurance for, for that event. And they were already trying to get me, uh, uh, an MRI. And then the UFC just literally, uh, took over the whole thing. They, they booked me another MRI somewhere else, um, drove me there, got me crutches, um, set up an appointment for me to go with the top knee surgeon, uh, uh, made sure that I had physical therapy taken care of for the entire year. So they literally paid for everything and took care of everything. So I'm super grateful for that. And so, yeah, if, uh, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, complain about not getting a bonus. That's a fair trade off then.
2: I would agree with that. Any besides the hand, any, any other injuries coming out of the fight? Um, no, my, uh,
4: my knees good. I got it checked out today. Got it flushed out. Uh, it's just swollen. (laughs) Like I said, when when you know any kind of workout I would do and have to ice it and get it to calm back down, it's it's like that. But times twenty, uh, just just a little swollen in the in the joint, and I'm trying to get get it out. So I'm probably gonna have to start riding the bike uh, today.
2: There you go. Next move, I'm guessing is enjoy the holidays with the family, enjoy the wind, because you know after taking a year, I guess like after taking a year off, now you get to deal with healing up the hand. Do you, do you want to try to get back in as soon as you can in 2021? Or are you just in no rush at this point? Like whenever the time comes, the time comes.
4: No, I'd like to get right back in. Um, you know, I, I took a year off and it's not like I I've, I've felt a difference this time. Um, I'm noticing it little by little, like I'm just as fast. I'm, I'm just as sharp. Uh, it's just that I need longer rest days, you know? Um, majority of the camp on, on the weekends, um, I was having to take Saturday and Sunday off instead of just one day. Um, and, and that's fine. Just listening to my body and and knowing how to get the best out of my, out of myself without pushing it too hard. And so I know that I'm not trying to fight past 40. And so I'd like to get as many in as I can and, uh, you know, keep the train moving.
2: Is this as free as you felt as a fighter in a long time?
4: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I'd, I'd say that was safe uh, safe to say. And uh, obviously, you know, I had to – I thought I was going to have to worry about his takedowns a little bit more and less about the leg kicks, but it was a lot about the leg kicks and less about takedowns. So, you know, when you when you have to think about something like that, it, it, it you know, I usually have to throw – you know, no more than three strikes at a time and then move, make sure I'm moving. Uh, that way I'm not an easy target, but, uh, yeah, it, overall it was, it, it was a pretty freeing experience.
2: Did you watch the main event on Saturday? No, I haven't watched it yet. Um, oh man. You're in for a treat. <laughs> yeah. It's so good.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's crazy too. I, I, Brandon Moreno is such like a nice guy he, and, uh, you just wouldn't accept, expect him to be in wars like that. Figueredo seems like a monster. Like, he seems like he wants to be in wars like that all the time. But yeah, I, I definitely want to see the fight still.
2: Yeah, I, talk, I talked to Moreno yesterday and same attitude, smiling, laughing, time of his life. Just, yeah. it's, it's so funny. Like, and then he goes in there and has a war with a guy like Figueredo who takes those massive shots from such a powerful guy and still smiling, still, still loving life. It's amazing.
4: That's awesome,
2: that's awesome. What else is awesome cub was was your performance on Saturday? It was amazing to see you get back in there after the recovery and, and and just have the performance like that. I'm glad to see you in just a great place mentally and physically right now, and really excited to see what uh what you' got to bring to the table in two thousand twenty one. man. Happy holidays to you and the family, and I appreciate the time.
4: Uh, well, I appreciate it. Thank you yeah, hopefully we'll we'll find something out soon, uh, hopefully early next year, but uh, either way, I appreciate all the support. Awesome,
2: man. Thank you. Have a good day, man. All right. You too.
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Dumbay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at Noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— V-A-N-29.com. Great
2: stuff from Cub Swanson. That was actually the first time I've had the chance to speak with that man in my career and really enjoyed that one. Congratulations to him on a a great victory this past Saturday night. We move ahead to our next guest, huge 2020. It has been for the Boston finisher. Knockout wins over – or knockout win over Jeremy Stevens, that elbow – People forget about that when talking about the knockout of the year. That was a ferocious knockout at UFC 249. And then he had the five round decision win over Dan Ige in the main event on Fight Island in July. So big year for Calvin Cater could be a massive 2021 for him because he's going to fight Max Holloway in the main event January 16th. Let us welcome back to the show Calvin Cater. All right, so once this Saturday's UFC Vegas 17 event comes to an end, there'll be a few weeks, a little bit of a breather, but then 2021 is going to kick off with a massive main event at 145 pounds as the former champion Max Holloway will take on this man, January 16th, the Boston finisher himself, Calvin Cater. How are you, man? Doing good, Mike. Thanks for having me on, as always. It's good to see you, man. You are uh, in Las Vegas right now because... Rob Font is returning to the Octagon for the first time in over a year. He's fighting Marlon Marais on Saturday. And both of you guys had these big fights coming up against former champions. He's made the walk with you a couple of times this year, Calvin. And he's seen sort of the great things that have happened for you. How excited are you to sort of return the favor and do the same for him this time around?
3: Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, I don't know who's doing the favor for who. I mean, you know, he's... It's incredible, man. Kids, the kid finds a way to improve after an injury, you know, all year long. I, I had never seen him look better and, uh, and I'm excited, man. He, he's, he's ready. He's due. He's, he's overdue. And, uh, it's a good opportunity for him to come out and just show, uh, you know, why he, he belongs at the top of the heap in his division.
2: I was talking to Tyson about this last week, you know, just seeing him because he's been here before he's had to overcome injuries and, and deal with these long layoffs, but I feel like with this particular layoff, I feel like people have been more excited and been asking more than ever before, like not just in New England. This is like a global thing. They all want to see. They're all matchmaking for Rob. When's Rob coming back? People are starting to see this man's potential after all this time. And just to kind of see him work hard to get back here. And, you know, it's all about to come together in this huge fight for him. What has it been like just watching him get
3: from the Simone fight to where we are right now? It's it's great, man. The, the the comeback's greater than the setback. You know, and he's proven that time and time again. Like you said, this isn't the first time that he's dealt with setbacks. And uh, you know how he responds like a champion. You know, He comes out, and uh, you're going to see the best Rob Funk come Saturday night. I can guarantee you that.
2: So that is this weekend. We are looking forward to that. And then you get back at it on the next card, January 16th, against Max Holloway. This is the fight you wanted. It's the fight everybody wanted, if we're being honest. And we're like exactly a month away from this fight going down. And it was funny because I was talking to Tyson last week and I asked him how you reacted to the fight. And he said, you were more excited that the fight might be in Vegas than you weren't about the fact you were fighting Max Holloway.
3: Is that true? Yeah, man. I can't seem to land me a Vegas card, even when it's 50-50 between Fight Island and Apex. You know, I can't even get a Vegas card then. I I don't know what I got to do when I got Rob on. his like seventh time fighting in Vegas. The kid's spoiled. I'm a little upset with it, but... I'm happy to be here for him, and uh, you know it's just the difference between fighting at like eight a.m. or eight p.m. <laughs> so, have we, like has there been
2: a decision made yet, or is it still kind of up in the air at this point?
3: Honestly, I I believe it's 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 pretty much finalized except the announcement. But um, if they were to come back to Vegas, I wouldn't be too upset either. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: that, that's so funny because like, look, you're. You're, you're like Brady, like pre-buccaneers, Brady, you're Belichick, like whoever it is on the other side of that octagon is on the other side of the octagon, but man, seeing Max Holloway, knowing that you're fighting him, the number one ranked guy, former
3: champion, a lot, a guy, a lot of people think is the best 45 fiver of all time. Nothing, no reaction. I mean, it's a good opportunity to just show why I think, why I think I'm that guy. You know, these guys are all telling Max, saying he's still the champ? And I think maybe he's even still focused on the champ, but to overlook me would be a mistake.
2: We hadn't heard from Max in a while since the loss to Volkanovski at UFC 251. It was a fight that a lot of people thought Max won and kind of got the hose job on from the judges. But I'm not sure if we talked about this before and if we did, my apologies. But did you watch that fight? Did you score that one for Max or did you score for
3: Volkanovski? I believe I might have been weight cutting for my fight or something along those lines. We, We were out there. We watched it. I'd have to really rewatch it again, but from from my first look, um, going back to then, I, I thought it was pretty close. Um, you know, credit to the champ though, in that fifth round, even if it was two to two to dig deep and do what he had to do to, to at least sway it in his favor. You know, that fifth round, uh, he, he he acted like a champion and and he overcame the adversity that Max Holloway brought. And uh, so, you know, credit to him, but it was a very close fight. Only reason why I give it to Alex. Um, you know, overall, is just because he beat him so handily in the first. And if this one was close, so be it. You know, but um, either way, like I said, man, that fight's you know here and gone. That'd be like me focusing on on uh, on a previous fight that I had when I'm fighting Max Holloway. It just doesn't make sense. You know, no one to look past him either. Right now, it's all Max Holloway, and uh, I'm excited about the matchup.
2: Yeah, I, I think the reason I asked is because I, I maxed it around a thirty or so minute interview with the SPN yesterday, and. He mentioned the fight with you, not a lot about it. I thought he would talk about it more, but it was mostly about how that fight was scored and his reaction to it at all. And in a way he feels like he's the uncrowned champion. So I was curious if there's a part of you that kind of feels like in a nonchalant way that it's almost, this feels like a title fight in a way, fighting Holloway. I
3: mean, if anytime you fight a guy like Max Holloway, uh, you know, with the accolades he has, it is a championship caliber fight, you know? <laughs> He just don't might not have the belt right now, but it, it's that type of fight. 100, percent it's a five-round made event fight. Only thing missing is the belt.
2: You've, I mean, you've lost a couple of decisions in the past. Have you had any like near robbery type decision losses in your career? I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but if you had one where you just got the big fat screw job,
3: not crazy. No, I've been pretty fortunate in that. But you know how that goes, man. Most of my fights, uh, ideally, I, I, I always go for the finish just because it sucks leaving it for, to the judges as it is. But I've had close fights that have gone my way, and, um, and, and you know, I've, I've, had, I've had wins that thankfully I got in and out of because I felt like shit for the fight one way or the other, but I got a, a finish, and, and I was, like, you know, happy to get out of there with a, a quick finish knowing it would have been a long night otherwise because not every night you go in there, you know, everyone's entitled to a bad day sometimes. So I'm happy to get a win off a bad day, and uh, and, and but coming into this one, uh, no, just like I said, man, all, all max all the way. And, uh, and I don't plan on leaving it close. One thing that
2: really stands out about this fight is one thing that served Max very well throughout his career, especially in the UFC is his size at 45. Like he's always been the taller fighter. He seems to have the reach advantage in pretty much every single fight he has at 45. You guys are right around the same height. You might even be a little bit taller, but I know you have the reach advantage in this fight. How much of an impact do you think this has?
3: Good questions, man. Like you said, uh, it's different when you're fighting a guy that has similar reach, and and, and not only the reach, but can fight that style of fighting long or combat that. And, uh, you know, I think we both present problems that maybe neither of us have faced before, and uh, and we'll find out what's up come January 16th, man. It's coming close, like you said. We're about a month out now, and all it is here is just, you know, finishing camp strong, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, and I've been ready to go all year long, so January 16th, can't come soon enough.
2: So you're in Vegas now. Are you are you going to corner Rob and then go back home and then come back? Or are you here the rest of the time now?
3: No, that would be nice. Uh, I don't think I could stay in Vegas that long uh, you know, without getting into too much trouble. I like to stay here maybe max <laughs> a week, but that's about it. So uh, getting a little bit out here, you know, get the PT. Um, it, it's always great to come out here and break up camp, especially right around this time. Go home with a couple of weeks left, finish strong, and then um, and then it's just it's just following through with you know what we've been training all along and, and going out and getting the job done. But um, yeah, one month and we're right on we're right on schedule.
2: People try to like generalize fights. It, it, it I, I think generalized is probably like the right word to use here. They they take like singular words and they do this versus this. So when people look at this fight on paper, it's like it's Max's volume versus Calvin's power. Yeah. yeah. Do you look at it in the same way? I, I feel like I, I feel like your volume is a little
3: underrated here. Yeah, I, I usually try to dictate when you say who's going to win a fight. Generally, the way I would say it is, you know, it'd be like uh, if, the, if one guy can get off his game plan and the other guy can get off his. And most people, like if they're a ground style fight, like let's just say um, like an Ortega versus Zombie prior to that fight actually going down where Ortega pieced them up on the feet. Um, you would think like, oh, if Ortega can get it to the ground, he wins, you know, or if Zombie can keep it on the feet, you know, that's just how they generalize, like you're saying. But as you see, sometimes the fights don't play out, how they generalize and Ortega pieced them up on the feet, didn't even touch the ground. So um, I try not to get too, um, you know, set on one way or another of getting the job done. I see myself getting my hand raised and then capitalizing on whatever he presents.
2: The way you handle your business, Calvin, and we've talked about this many times in the past, you are you, it's the Patriots mindset, the New England Patriots mindset. Whatever the NFL puts on the schedule, that's the game you play. You handle yep. your fighting career the same way. Whoever the UFC puts in front of me, that's who I'm gonna punch in the face. I don't care who it yep. is. And I think that's very commendable, Calvin. I think that's that that's one of the things people like about you. Yeah,
3: but if every you go out to the Super Bowl, man, every match is the Super Bowl, everyone's the biggest one, you know, next one's the best one.
2: But if you go out there on January sixteenth and you beat Max Holloway and you beat him without question, there's no robbery, no nothing, clear-cut decision. You go out there and you do what nobody has done since early 2012, and you put away Max Blessed Holloway. Your next fight has to be for the belt, right? Like there is no other way around it. The next, the time for the next man up is over. It's it's definitely. it's title time, right? Yeah,
3: definitely. And 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 that's what I had said previous to getting the matchup with Max. I think anybody that wants to fight for the belt should have to go through Max, especially that one being so close. To bypass Max on your way to the belt just doesn't make sense to me. You want to be the champ, you got to take out Max Holloway on the way. And I have that opportunity in front of me. So, uh, yeah, like you said, I think after Max, that would be the goal. And, and uh, whoever wanted that opportunity had it when they could have fought Max. But I, I don't see too many people jumping at the bit to do it other than myself.
2: Is it? I mean, obviously, title implications are huge here, but... Just having a win over Max Holloway and just exactly. having that on your resume, is that just massive for you?
3: Yeah, it's like you said, it's it's the title fight without the belt. Uh, you know, his his resume and accolades speak for itself. Um, you know, he's, he's arguably one of the GOATs in the division. And um, what an opportunity to go out there and just show why I feel like I belong amongst the division's best.
2: I feel like I, the, the, this question fails me every time, but I'm just going to go ahead and fire it out and see what happens. How do you get this thing done? <laughs> January 16th. I know you're going to say I'm going to go get my hand raised, but, yeah, you know, maybe yeah, you got a little spunk I in you after a long me. day.
3: I just got to yeah, I just gotta go out, man, and, and, and beat Calvin Cater better than he could beat Max Holloway. You know, and, and that'll be enough. Just go out and do what I do and perform how I know I can. If I could do that, the rest will take care of itself.
2: There is one thing I have to ask you about, Calvin, and I, I – oh God, I hate myself for having to do this, but – the last time we spoke, it was right after the Ortega Korean zombie fight. And we were trying to rush through this post fight show so that we could watch the boxing. You oh, want to watch the Lomachenko fight, okay? Oh. Since then, boxing has taken a wild turn, Calvin. We saw Tyson versus Jones. We saw Jake Paul knock out Nate Robinson. Now we're seeing Jake Paul and Connor. Now we're seeing Jake Paul throwing water balloons at Dylan Dennis and, and running away.
1: That's Your thoughts?
2: Doing? Yeah, and now Logan Paul's got to box Floyd Mayweather. Like, as a boxing enthusiast, Calvin, what do you think of all of this madness?
3: I, I mean, it's got a lot of people's attention, but uh, they're not really finding out who's the best fighter out of it all. It's just kind of, a, you know, uh, entertainment. So let them have their fun. Um, that that knockout, i tell you on a, on a serious note, that Teofimo uh, Lopez fight, man, props to him. I think Loma just... Didn't didn't you know? Step on the gas a little too soon. Uh, He stepped on a little too late. And uh, but what a hell of a fight that was! That kid's tough as nails, man. I'm excited to see um, those two you know compete next. But as far as the rest of them, I mean, (laughs) if I got nothing going on, maybe. Did you watch Tyson Jones? I did. That was that was interesting, man. For at the at the age that they're at, you know, they put it on the line. Uh, Roy was moving, you know, wasn't really you know standing in as you'd expect him to do, but. I like Tyson's tenacity kind of going after it and uh, and really trying to put him to the canvas. They they he was definitely looking for the finish. So I'll give him that. Tyson
2: just looks so good at 50, what, 51, 54 years old? I mean, good God, like just to see him, you know, the way he looked maybe like two years ago to the way he looked in that ring. I mean, just mind-boggling. It's just unbelievable. And I think a lot of people kind of look past that. Kind of with that circus mentality, like, oh boy, here we go. But just to see what Mike Tyson has done for himself as an individual, that that that's amazing.
3: Yeah, I'm happy to see him come back and get a nice. Uh, if if that is that one and done, or whatever the case, I mean, I heard he made at least the 10 million on that or something. Um, good for him, man. He deserves it. You know, he's 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 had a lot of triumphs, and um, you know, um, you know, he's he's had to work back from a lot of uh, tough decisions he made as well. So happy that he's got this new mindset where he's um, he seems like he's in a good place now he's got good people around him and to see him get a payday uh, in the mindset he's at now hopefully you know he he makes the right investments and, and he's just well off because the guy deserves it man he's done so much for uh, you know the sport and and to see him you know retire with some money would be a good would be would be good
2: to see I think that's a that's kind of the goal for every fighter at least from where I said I want everybody to retire very comfortably and have a bunch yeah. of money in the nest egg. You know, do yeah. the, do do the damn thing. Get you know, ha- make enough where you can settle, but buy yourself some season tickets to the Pats, Calvin. Just why not? Yeah, right. You know what I mean? <laughs>
3: yeah, right. I mean, shit, I'm gonna have to buy them because I ain't getting no no comps these days. But uh, we're working on it, man. Maybe after we get that that Max Holloway fight and that belt put around our waist, you know, maybe they'll reserve a seat over us at Gillette.
2: Bob Krafts, come on,
3: get this Talk man's to phone. Get no, this man. man's I mean, phone. I'm gonna keep plugging over. that every interview until I get some.
2: <laughs> really fun fight. Coming up between Cater and Holloway. Really interesting matchup. Cater is, listen, I'm from the Boston area. I'm from New England. I'm a huge Patriots fan. I've been a Patriots fan since I was a a young kid. So I've been up through the good and the bad. The 1 in 15 seasons, still watched, still cheered. But Calvin Cater just has that bill belichickian mentality all those guys do tyson chartier his manager and coach who was on the show last week rob font who's fighting marlon marais this week they all have that same mentality it's it's different it is refreshing at the same time but if calvin cater beats max holloway it's time to start screaming from the rooftops title shot title shot title shot and i think he knows that i think they're gonna get it and especially if he beats max holloway his next fight will have to be for the belt no matter what's going on in this division but uh that fight's so good. It's like one of those fights where I'm just like, I just I just am very excited to see how it's going to play out. It's like the, the late great Gorilla Monsoon from old school WWF used to say. It's one of those like irresistible force meets the immovable object type of fights. Should be really good. Very fascinating coming up on January the 16th. Let us stick with the featherweight division and say hello to the dream. 21-year-old Chase Hooper coming off his win this past Saturday night at ufc 256 all right back of the show is chase hooper who kicked off a wild ufc 256 card with the come from behind submission win over peter barrett with the way this whole night played out this was the perfect start to it if we're being honest chase good to see you man how are you
5: uh great um just kind of you know enjoying the win and uh yeah that card was fantastic uh that's kind of the only problem for me is you know all the bonuses go uh go higher up but you know i'm happy with the win and i'm happy to get my full paycheck this time
2: absolutely it was a it was a pretty crazy fight i saw all sorts of it was like a little bit of everything in your fight from stand up to the ground to you actually like <laughs> him actually like headbutting your punches in the third round before the submission like it was just crazy it, it was pretty clear what the strategies were heading in and peter through the first couple rounds who's fighting very smart he was staying on the outside he was trying to keep this thing on his feet as much as he could he was scoring with the leg kicks a little bit early on you were starting to figure that out as the fight progressed but I doubt the game plan from Pete surprised you, but was there anything in regards to his skill set, how he performed, that did surprise you?
5: I would say the thing that surprised me the most actually was um, watching his previous fights. He was more uh, like wrestling heavy, so it was interesting just to go in there, and I get it makes sense in in retrospect with kind of um, you know how my fights have gone, and uh, you know what his way to win would be. But um, I was just surprised he wasn't doing more clinching because a lot of his previous fights, I noticed he had more like kind of that Usman style. Like he has no problem holding the guy up against the cage and trying to beat him up from there. But um, yeah, it was kind of interesting just having someone that is a pretty decent wrestler like that, just wanting to disengage from the grappling the whole time. But uh, it made sense.
2: The leg kicks, especially in the second round, those seem to have the most effect. like even the commentators. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, but DC and Rogan specifically thought Pete was one good leg kick away from ending the fight. Like, was it at that point? I mean, it was getting, it seemed like it was getting a little sketchy in there, but were they starting to take as much of a toll on you as maybe they portrayed it?
5: Uh, it was more like one of those things where i'm like fuck i should have checked that way earlier um i should have you know been on top of it because we knew going in there that he was going to do a lot of leg kicks but um i was real focused on his like his overhand right or his overhand left because um, he liked to throw that a lot um, and then i just kind of wasn't as focused on the leg kicks but i'd actually been working like a decent bit of like switch stance stuff um So I was just kind of, you know, resting the leg up a little bit. It wasn't, I don't think it was that close to being over with, but it was definitely, um, it didn't feel good. I can tell you that. (laughs) Third, uh, (laughs) Yeah, I could have kept going for sure.
2: Yeah, third round, Peter looks to be five minutes away from his first UFC win. And then you drop for an M&R roll and he was able to get back to his feet the first time you did it earlier in the fight. This one, he was not so lucky. And it was like, it was like video game power levels when it came to confidence. Like yours was rising as the seconds went on. His was drastically falling and he was doing like everything he could to not get too reckless in that position. And you were staying super patient. Eventually the heel hook comes and you force the tap. Man, that had to have been one hell of a feeling was it not like, I think it was kind of portrayed. And even on Saturday that you were down, like it was like, it was like two, 10, eight rounds and you just came out of yeah. nowhere and won it. like, I, I thought, Personally, you lost the first two rounds, but I didn't think it was like, you didn't get the the doors blown off you, you know what I mean?
5: Yeah, like, you can see by my face, like, I don't have a mark on me type of thing, so it's like, it wasn't like a crazy, like, rocky, like, comeback like that, but it was definitely, um, I feel like he, I let him control the distance too much, like, he had the cage control, and then uh, also the leg kicks, obviously. Because there wasn't a whole lot from either of us, like significantly back and forth um, scoring wise. So I feel like those leg kicks definitely um, really added up for him in that second round. Um, But yeah, again, I feel like it wasn't a crazy like comeback, but it was definitely. um, I do think that positionally because of where he was at in the leg kicks that I was losing those two rounds, but it was closer than people like to make it out to be. But, um, yeah, it was great to, you know, in that imminari, which I've been practicing for, you know, months now, um, and kind of get to that position and be like, okay, I still have like three minutes left. I can take my time. I can just kind of hang out here. And, uh, you know, I was able to get to that, uh, like the honey hole position that they call it, where essentially both of my legs are, um, pretty much safe, like. Almost completely, and then uh, I have like real good control over his leg that I was able to or able to heel hook.
2: You're a very nice guy, Chase. You're you're friendly. You are a fighter. Peter was absolutely crushed by that loss, and losing sucks no matter what. But yeah. there is a pretty good chance, especially where we're at now in the UFC. That getting another fight for him in the octagon, especially right now, it's pretty unlikely with the UFC making some cuts. He's 0-2 now. I have no insight yeah. on that, obviously, but I think Pete was probably going into that fight thinking it was a do-or-die fight for him. As, as excited you as you were to come back and get that win, was there a part of you that just felt so terrible for him in that situation?
5: I mean, definitely. That's kind of the, kind of the thing, though, is like I i wouldn't have been too far off if i would have lost too i don't think um i think they maybe would have given me another one but i don't think it would have been like a. it definitely would have been a sink or swim type of thing so we were both kind of in that same position i feel um but again i'm more pessimistic anyway so i i want to view it more as the you know uh negative scenario than the positive but um yeah it's rough definitely but um it's just such a brutal sport, and you have to you have to fight for your spot, and uh, that's just kind of the way it is. But, you know, super nice guy, and uh, yeah, I wish him all the best.
2: What did you think of the commentary overall? Because I'm sure you went back and watched it. You may have seen some things on social media about some of the things that were said because – I had to go back and like watch it a second time because I, I think I even tweeted this out on Saturday. It sounded to me like Joe Rogan had you released in the second round, like off to the regional scene to get more work. But as you're watching it and seeing it all play out, like what did you think of the commentary over overall?
5: Yeah, it's uh, it's brutal to, you know, hear these people that you kind of idolize a little bit, just kind of shitting all over you. You know, it's kind of, um, I don't know. It's hard to deal with, uh, But some points were valid. I just feel like it was a little more accentuated than it needed to be. Like, um, you know, obviously I know I need to work on my striking. Like, I'm getting that situated. I'm going to go to Thailand or something and get the, you know, get the work in that I need. Um, But I think it's really just because of this narrative that I have. Like, they're like, oh, his striking's so bad. But, you know, I was holding my own to an extent. Um, Can you
1: see
5: me? like I never felt out of there I never you know I didn't get rocked I didn't get any like significant shots landed on you know anything besides my leg so I feel like I'm definitely making the improvements and I feel like that was kind of glossed over but that's kind of um, neither here nor there but yeah I definitely I heard they were pretty brutal uh, the whole night kind of overall but <laughs> it's just a little harder when it's you know about you specifically
2: yeah i think you're taking it in stride i mean it is it is what it is at the end of the day and i i kind of compare you to ryan hall early on in his ufc run because i mean and and it just turns out you got to work with him for this camp and you've been working with him a little bit you certainly can't go wrong with that he's sort of this like enigmatic figure here at MMA fighting. Like we, we think Ryan Hall, like we hear Ryan Hall's name. We always, maybe jokingly in a way, we think he's like the best pound for pound fighter on the planet. He's the most dangerous man in the world. But like, what is it like to work with someone like Ryan? Because the man's just so smart. He's such a wizard. And he's been where you're at before.
5: Yeah. It's, uh, it's like real, like refreshing to, you know, train with someone that's, on that next step like i feel like he is the best jujitsu guy in mma like he's transitioned the best has the best game for it and um like his striking is definitely nothing to be like slept on um you know i've had him spin kick me in the head before you know <laughs> and uh, it didn't feel very nice um but yeah it's just refreshing to train with someone that high of a level and it kind of makes me want to you know get To that level someday it's just kind of refreshing because you get kind of i don't know kind of lackadaisical you're like oh i'm just training i'm just doing this whatever and then you get to see that level where he's you know just training every day like so focused and he's at such a high level he has you know all these high level guys that'll just jump in on him you know back to back to back and they're all struggling you know and he's just you know looking there half asleep like he always is (laughs) and it's uh it's crazy to watch and it just kind of uh you know makes me want to get to that level
2: yeah he went from being the guy in the ultimate fighter people were like people would like eye roll when he was booked to fight they're like oh god here we go it's a board the boring jujitsu guy and now he's dropping dudes in the octagon his last couple fights dropping darren elkins that is very difficult to do that guy's a savage and ryan hall dropped him twice i think in his last fight
5: yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy fight. It's weird when you see someone like the jiu-jitsu guy, you know, out striking the striker and it's kind of uh that's definitely something that I aspire to kind of get to, but uh, you know, taking it fight by fight, obviously.
2: Did you get a chance to speak with your with your pop Ben Askren following the win?
5: Uh I think he texted me a little bit. Um, we were also texting about some of our like funky family stuff, so it kind of worked out. Timing wise, so uh, yeah,
2: I spoke with him probably a month ago, and he was like, "Yeah, I think we got some things going on." And then right before the fight started, it was probably that morning on Saturday, the one with Sarah McMahon drops on the the fight pass yeah. Twitter page. It was so great, man. Life's pretty good right now between the show and winning fights and eating M and M's, shooting those cool videos with Ben and the fam. Like, life's pretty good right now, is it not?
5: Yeah, definitely. That's kind of this is kind of. um one of the things that i'm trying to be like super appreciative of is like not just fighting um but having all this other stuff you know kind of with the company getting to do all this cool stuff that it's like you know obviously the fighting's cool but it's like i get to go train with this you know olympian you know both sarah and ben were you know in the olympics and it's like that's crazy to think about um and then you know getting to train with ryan hall getting to do all this video content with fight pass and it's uh yeah, I'm having a good time with it. And I'm just trying to, you know, enjoy it and uh, make the most of it.
2: When do you want to get back in there? Do you want to just turn right back around as soon as possible? Or do you want to take some extra time, spend some time with Ryan and, and others and continue to, uh, to hone your craft as the kids say, and, and just kind of slow roll everything. What are you thinking?
5: I think, uh, just cause at the end of the day, the fights don't get easier. They, uh, they go the other way. So I'm gonna, um, I'm actually looking at booking a flight to Thailand, uh, spending some time out there a couple weeks and uh, just working on the striking. Um, I feel like I need to get crisper, just kind of sharpen everything up and, uh, you know, obviously try to go spend some more time with Ben, um, but more wrestling oriented, you know, maybe if I could get to Ryan Hall's before the next fight, tune up some more stuff from there. It's just kind of uh because the fights just get exponentially more tough. So I need to, you know, kind of be prepared for that. And then, you know, just kind of honing my craft overall and just getting better and showing people that I deserve to be here. So hopefully the commentary's not as uh, negative next time.
2: Listen, you're still winning fights. That's all that matters. I can say whatever they want, but yeah. you, got, you got your win bonus. That's all that matters. Have you been to Thailand before? Is this the first time you've gone? or that you're going? No, uh,
5: farthest I've been was like Mexico. So it's going to be a big one for me. <laughs> there
2: you go. Oh man. I remember talking to Cynthia Calvillo. She went out there and spent some time out there. She said it was like a life changer, like not just because mm-hmm. of the training you get, but just the area and like some of the things you have to do independently to like, just kind of get through each day, because it's not like the most luxurious place on earth. You're there to work and you yeah. can tell as soon as you get there. So are you looking forward to just the learning experiences you're going to get outside of just, training on your striking
5: yeah definitely it's kind of uh I don't know it's like one of those things that so many people like dream of doing and then I'm able to do it because of my job or like you know I you know am more in a position where I need to do it and it's kind of um yeah I'm really looking forward to you you know just doing as much cool stuff as I can and really making the most of you know the position that I'm in and uh you know what opportunities the ufc's kind of provided for me
2: what did you think of the main event on saturday between Figueroa and moreno
5: that was a crazy fight um i think those fights where you know both of these guys just you know kill themselves and kill each other it's just kind of uh it's like a different thing to watch because like a 15 minute fight versus a 25 minute fight it's a huge difference on your body um i've actually done it before on one of the local shows and it's just uh to get there on a high level i think they're really you know putting flyweight back on the map um all the respect to demetrius i think uh he just had too too technical of a style for people but when they see people just you know, like slugging it out, like trying to kill each other, like Figueredo and Moreno did. Like, uh, I think people really respect that. And then, you know, it makes them fans of the division and it makes them fans of those guys. So I think it's good for UFC. It's good for the division and, uh, good for the fans at the end of the day.
2: As a grappling enthusiast, what did you think of Charles Oliveira's performance, man? I never thought in a million years, I'd see a guy put Tony Ferguson on his back and keep him there for 15 minutes and almost take his arm home with him in the first round.
5: Yeah. That was crazy. Um, Charles Olivera is definitely something else. That's kind of, um, you know, another one of those guys that I kind of aspire to get to that level. Cause he's, you know, most submission wins, I think, in U- UFC history. Yeah. And that's just kind of a, that's a crazy statistic. That's, uh, yeah, I have a lot of respect for that. And, uh, I have a lot of respect for Tony too. Um, It's kind of rough, though, watching him, um, you know, go from such a like living up to the nickname, like being the boogeyman of the division to, you know, being on a two fight skid. But, you know, that's kind of the nature of the game. And he's definitely um, he's definitely a gamer. So he's, you know, not taking any easy fights.
0: and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Big win for
2: Chase Hooper this past Saturday. And listen, you can say what you want about his performances and the lack of striking and all that. He's 2-1 and in the UFC. He's got two wins. Two finishes. He's getting better. The striking wasn't great on Saturday, and he'd be the first one to admit it, but he has been making improvements. He was landing some big shots. He was dodging a little bit. And if you actually look at the ESPN numbers, Chase Hooper outstruck Peter Barrett on Saturday night. And I, I, I get it. A lot of the strikes took place in the third round, and Peter Barrett was headbanging and blocking the punches with the top of his head but those have to add up at some point but listen he's getting better he knows he's got those issues he's planning on fixing them he says he's going to Thailand like what better place to go if you need to fix your striking so good on him he gets it he understands and he's gonna try to change things up as we move ahead to our next guest of the program a man who knows all about the striking game he's all business he's fighting Michelle Pajada in a Ridiculous fight at 170 pounds. It's one of those fights you just say it out loud and you just have to laugh because it's just chaotic. And that just makes perfect sense for our next guest. His name, pun completely intended, Chaos Williams, one of the breakout fighters of 2020. All right, back on the program is one Chaos Williams who returns to action this Saturday, UFC Vegas 17, the final event of 2020. And as loaded as this card is, He is one half of the fight that everybody is universally predicting will be the most entertaining and, might I say, with pun fully intended, the most chaotic, as he takes on Michelle Beheadah. Chaos, good to see you, man. How are you?
6: Man, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed, man. Good to be here. Good to be healthy. You know, just ready to, uh, you know, weigh in, go to work Saturday.
2: We spoke a couple days after the knockout win against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan and probably maybe 48 hours after this fight with Pejeta was was announced and revealed to the world. How long after that knockout win was this fight offered to you?
6: Probably like a week, exactly. Like
2: a week. So, so not too long. And you wanted to turn around relatively quickly anyways and try to maybe... Definitely, man. I spoke
6: so. into existence, just like everything else, man. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm just happy that I'm able to be back, you know, get to show the fans, uh, the UFC... And everybody else, you know, who believe in me. And also, you know, what I'm saying the people that doubt me, you know, that I'm here to stay and that the uh, UFC got a future. What's star way on their hands, man? I'm just blessed to be back here.
2: It's been a hell of a stretch, not just for you, but for a lot of guys on your team between yourself and Joaquin Buckley, Jamal Hill, big things are happening over there at uh, Murcielago. It's got to be fun, not just for yourself, but watching your teammates sort of give you something to chase and vice versa, right?
6: Definitely, man. I- as long as we it, man, you know, one shine, we all shine.
2: I'm sure you must have seen the reaction to this fight amongst fans when you were booked with Bahada. I mean, as soon as we announced, everyone went crazy. It seems as if the fans and, and a lot of the media, too, they're more interested in this fight than the main events between Wonderboy and Jeff Neal, two exciting up-and-coming powerhouses at 170 pounds. Have you noticed how fired up people are for this fight?
6: Yeah, definitely, man, definitely. But I, I haven't... Uh... My thing is, you know, I definitely noticed, you know, but i just been so focused on just being, just being the best me I can be come Saturday. You know, so I, re- I really never get all into the thousands of uh, likes and all the hundreds of comments and stuff like that. You know, I just be tunnel vision focused. I just be dialed in, locked in almost ahead of me. But I definitely see it, though. I definitely see it.
2: I mean, I was going to ask if you're fired up, but you're, you're the kind of guy that gets fired up for any fight. But, you know, having an interesting dance partner like Michelle – does the matchup as you kinda like look at it stylistically, does it fire you up in that way?
6: I mean, you know, he just he just somebody else in my way, man. That's how I look at it, man. He just he just somebody else in my way, you know? I don't I don't think about it too much.
2: Pahead is from Brazil, but he does have ties to Michigan as well, which sort of adds to the fun of this one. Because you train at Mercy Lago, he trains with James Gray at Scorpion Fighting Systems from time to time. So there is some local ties to this fight, and and I'm not that familiar with the Michigan regional scene. But is there any kind of like inner area rivalry between the two gyms?
6: I mean, not between me. You know, I don't got a problem with nobody. It's just it's just business with me. That's why I always say it's not personal, just punishment. As far as me, uh, I don't got no, I don't got no bad blood or no, um, no problems with anybody. I can't say the same, you know, some of my teammates, you know, uh, I will say, uh, I really can't, you know, point blank point point out no one specifically, but I do know like some of my teammates don't like some people over there. So
2: fair enough. enough, Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure, you know, Pajada always been a showman that capoeira style, a lot of theatrics, but, uh, it seems like since the loss to Tristan Connolly, he's still using some of those things that put him on the map, but he's been much more controlled with it. You saw it in the Sanchez fight. You definitely saw it in his last fight with Amadeev. I know you don't focus a ton on watching your opponent, but you kind of let your coaches find those openings and fill you in. But is Michelle a guy that you've been paying attention to that you've watched over these last couple of fights?
6: Not really, to be honest. You know, like I said, man, you know, my main thing is just. Uh... You know, my main thing is that goal one day and uh, you know, just being being the best me I can be. You know, he just in the way. You know.
2: Outside of like your fights and your teammates' fights, do you sit down and like watch UFC events on the weekends or do you not yeah. really
6: Yeah, I do I do sometimes when I'm not like real busy and stuff. It yeah, just on, it just depends on who fighting too.
2: You fought Murano, you fought Al Hassan. How does this matchup compare to the other two? Like, do you think this is there's more of a challenge here, less of a challenge? Like, how would you compare
6: it? Nah, man. I don't feel like it's less of a challenge. You know, I feel like the first two was a challenge. You know, the first two was a challenge. I went in there and did what I did. This one, this one a challenge as well. Like, every fight is a challenge. Like I said, I never sleep on nobody. It's a fight, of course. You know, everybody got to punch a chance in a fight. But I feel like the first two was more of a test. This one is a test, too, as well. You know, like I said, he come in. I know he's going to be in shape. You know, I know he uh, pretty unpredictable. But, you know, like I always say, man, we're just going to test that chin out.
2: How does this thing play out on Saturday? Like, is there a way that you sort of envision this thing playing out? Yeah, like man, I'm sure I am envisioned,
6: you- envisioned it, Uh, you know, like I said, man, if I can, if he doing that, if he doing all that crazy dance and stuff, you know, you got to pay, man. First round knockout. If not, you know, second round TKO. Hey, worst from the worst, you know, unanimous decision. Third, I mean, unanimous decision.
2: So if he starts dancing around, we can expect the first round knockout.
6: Yeah, definitely.
2: If all goes well, and, and and there are people that I've seen out there on social media land that are already saying this, they're ready to just start throwing your name all over these awards lists at the end of the year. Breakout fighter of the year. You certainly have one of the knockouts of the year. But some folks are even considering you in the fighter of the year conversation if you get the job done on Saturday. Do I you mean do those things? Hearing your name in those conversations is that something that you pay attention to at all?
6: Uh, definitely, man. I'm grateful to be be uh mentioned. You know, I, I would definitely get that knockout of the year though to my boy Joaquin though, man. Like, <laughs> you know, nobody nobody seen nothing like that, man. You know, I get credit where it's due, man. That's Joaquin got that award number one knockout of the year. As far as uh fighter of the year, breakout fighter of the year, man. You know, you know, I'm very modest, but you know, they give it to me, man. I'm here, man. You know, I, I'm hungry. But I mean, at the end of the day, like I look at the main goal, like I like I was saying in one of my other interviews, that's like a defensive player of the year award or. You know, rookie of the year award or something like that—that's good and all, but we trying to get them. We trying to get them championships. You know what I'm saying? We trying to get them NBA championships and, and in my league, the UFC title one day. And it's no rush. It's no rush, but you know that's that's the main focus. Just continue to be better. So when we do get to that point and put myself in a position to where I do be in that position, I keep it. And you know that's just what it is. You know, but I mean, if they gonna give me an extra fifty thousand for winning one of them awards or something, hey, definitely, man. Everybody go vote for me
2: give you all the awards if that's the case
6: <laughs> for real go show some love man i need to go i need to go get some more drip man i need to go get some more drip
2: um <laughs> uh, was did you oh did you watch ufc 256 on saturday yeah yep yep what did you think of kevin holland's
6: knockout man it was nice man it was nice it was nice man it was nice so joaquin's
2: number one which yeah. one's number two? Yours or Yeah, Kevin?
6: man. Mine my, my number two, man. My number two, man. You know? Cause I mean not only that, it's is it's who I knocked out, man. You know, like I said, I'm very modest, man, but it's like who I knocked out too, man. A lot of people was I had even some of my own homies was like, Oh man, like I was a little worried for you, man. And you don't gotta be worried for me, man. I do this, man. I was made for this. I was made for this. You know? But like how they was talking about him, you know, uh, that's just what it was. You know, uh, you know, he he, he a dangerous guy, man. A lot of people just they don't know about him like that just because, uh, you know, he's a pretty silent assassin. You know, he wasn't out here talking and really, you know, calling out people or nothing like that. But, I mean, you, if you got 10, 10 knockouts in the first round, man, like you're a pretty dangerous dude.
2: What are they all saying about Pejeda?
6: I mean, basically the same thing. I mean, not as far as the other one, but, you know, it's just going to keep getting – every fight is going to be the same thing, you know. I feel like every fight is going to be the same thing because I'm continuing to progress like, as I'm like, Continuing to get better, you know, is it, every fight is going to be more important than the last fight. And basically, that's just what it is. You know, people going to keep sleeping on me. But like I said, they're going to keep sleeping on me. The doctor going to wake them up. But uh, that's what it is, man. they they, they, they sleeping on me, man. I'm going to show them something. Did I don't like homie? to talk too much, man. You know, I don't like to talk yeah. too much. I like, to, I like to uh, let these speak for themselves. Well, when
2: you were last on after the last knockout, when you said that a lot of your friends... Want a lot of money off of you. They all bet on you, and you paid them off in a big way. And you were one. we we're discussing whether or not you think they they might little slide you a little percentage of that, a little commish. Any uh, any extra love?
6: I mean, yeah, definitely, man. I had a couple of my peoples, man. They show mad love, man. Mad love, man. I mean, I had people, man. I ain't even gonna put that business out there, but I had people bands some bands, and uh, you know, people broke in just off the love.
2: That's amazing. That's the way it should be.
6: Definitely, man. I was—I wasn't even expecting it, man. Like, like it was—it was—it was. I appreciate it too, man. Y'all knew who you are.
2: There is—I'm just gonna go ahead and ask you about it because it's—it's it's interesting, kind of the connection to it. Because your teammate Joaquin Buckley, like we talked about, he's found himself in this rivalry with James Krause, who's in your weight class, and it seems like from talking to both guys, they both want the fight. And I don't know this for sure, but it sounds like being in different weight classes might be the holdup in just making this fight happen because it seems like a no-brainer to make it. If that's the case, and I know you guys are both of the same management company, is that a fight that would make you interested after Saturday, you and Kraus, considering you can have that chance to maybe get one back for your teammate there?
6: Nah, man, you know, uh, I'm my own man. You know, I'm my own man. And uh, I don't want a conflict of interest, you know. Like I said, we are meant by the same people. At the end of the day, you know, uh, if it, if like I said, what we'll, what we'll, 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 we'll shall be will be. If it was meant to happen, it's gonna happen. But that's not nothing that I'm looking at. You get what I'm saying? Like Joaquin got a problem with him. Uh, they they both men. Let them do what they do. You know me, I'm my own man. I don't got no problem with him, You know, but uh, yeah, man, I stay beef, man. Let them handle their beef. You know.
2: Well said. I'm glad you said it that way. I was I was, was kind of like pondering whether or not to ask it. I was like, you know what? I'm, I want to get your take, and that's the answer I was hoping you would give. Chaos. Let them let these two guys get after it, whether it's in the octagon or just you know on the mats or something. Just get into it, get it done, and let's move on with life, right?
6: Yeah.
2: But listen, you're the man. Hopefully, uh, you get these individual awards, and they throw you a little, 50, a little some 50 g's with yeah, that. Well, but
6: yeah, uh, man, I need that, man. <laughs> I need that. No. what you about to say no i was
2: gonna say like this fight has fight of the night i mean this fight has award money bonus money written all over it does it not i mean you're gonna walk away win lose or draw with with some good money worst case scenario this is fight of the night like it has to be everyone is fired up for this one chaos it's crazy
6: can't wait
2: there he is chaos williams the man is all business he's done talking just wants to fight. It is time for face punching, ladies and gentlemen. It takes on Michelle Pajara this Saturday. Featured bout UFC Vegas 17. I can't wait to see how that thing plays out. And it, man, I can't get it out of my head. He just goes, if Michelle Pajara starts dancing, Michelle starts dancing around, just getting knocked out in the first round. Oh my goodness! Cannot wait to see how that fight plays out. As we begin to put a bow on this edition. Of What the heck still have a great conversation to come if you hadn't seen it already but first the usual big shout out and thank you to to you for watching and or listening to the program right now for checking us out each and every week it means the world and a lot of people have been hitting me up over the last few weeks saying how can we help how can we help. Make sure you tell a friend, tell two friends, share the episode, retweet, all that good stuff. That is much appreciated. Big thank you to Casey Lighton on the production, Jose and Alex on the graphics, and dealing with me being a pain in the ass every single week. And as always, have a heck of a week, everybody. We wrap things up with my chat with the assassin baby himself. What a performance at UFC 256 in the main event. He did not walk away with the flyweight championship belt, but he probably walked away with a lot of fans and a lot of respect. Here he is, Brandon Moreno. Ladies and gentlemen, we were treated to an instant classic on Saturday night at UFC 256. The flyweight title was on the line between James Figueredo and this man who for 25 minutes, they stood in front of each other and they put on the greatest flyweight fight of all time. One of the best fights of the year. One of my favorite fights of all time, if we're being honest. And it looks like we're going to see more of it because they fought to a draw. So let us say hello to one half of that unbelievable fight. The assassin baby himself, Brandon Moreno. Brandon, how are you, man?
7: Yeah, man. Thank you. You know, right now I feel very sore with some pain, but happy, happy. I'm proud of all this moment, you know, I live in right now.
2: I, f- I feel like I speak for all fans of the sport. Thank you for that incredible fight on Saturday. I mean, it really was amazing to watch. And I've said this a few times. This is one of those times where after the fight and the event ended, I was jacked up for like another day or two. Like I couldn't go to sleep, man. Like what was what was the aftermath of that night like for you? Did you fall right asleep, or were you still just flowing with adrenaline after going through a fight like that?
7: Uh, no, man. I mean, after a fight, I never can't sleep. You know, I go to the bed like four or five p.m. I uh, am, um, and yes, and after a fight like that, everything was so crazy. You know, I because. In that moment, when the fight is over, like comes Dana White, it's like, man, Congress, kids, uh, the best fight of, in the flyweight division, all that stuff, like, oh, nice, you know? But then I went to the hotel, and I started to check my cell phone and watch all the, the people talking about the fight, the fight, watch some highlights and like, man, this, this fight was wild, you know? Um, was hard, you know. Obviously, Figueroa is, is the champion for one reason, but I show to the world he's a human being just like me and you.
2: Yeah, I was. I thought your game plan was was a little wild at first. I was like, "Oh my god, he's just gonna stand right in front of him." But then I I, I remember back to our conversation. Like, this doesn't surprise me at all. But uh, one one thing I did want to touch on because there was a lot said on the broadcast in the fifth round about your arm and you know, broadcast that it might have been broken. You said after the fight that was nothing maybe it was your shoulder that was affected have you
7: had the chance to get your arm checked out since saturday night yeah i, I mean yesterday i had an uh ray in all my in my all in all my left arm just to be to stay sure everything is fine i have an an, uh, an appointment with the doctor today and uh, later so i ho- hopefully everything is fine you know in the fight And, man, this, uh, everything are excuses, okay? I never, I don't like too much excuses. But, you know, in the fifth round, all my left arm was destroyed, you know? I had too much activity with my left arm, a lot of jabs, a lot of hooks. And, yeah, my my left shoulder was, like, destroyed too much. I I feel, like, weird because my shoulder feel, like, tired, you know, like, heavy, like, uh, like, and my forearm, yes, was very swollen. Hopefully, it's no broke. I need to check with the doctor today. But yeah, I mean, I tried to push to put more pressure on Davison. I, I can't do it in that moment. I was very sad with me uh, watching the, the 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 repetition of the fifth round. But it is what it is, brother. It is what it is. It was a nice fight. I believe I, I I I I won the third and fourth. The second one was very close, but, but I, I don't, man. I don't finish the fight, so everything is excuses. I need to make the rematch with Davison. I know he 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 wants the rematch too, or I don't know. The the I I'll be ready. I mean, the UFC Dana White and,
2: and, and the UFC have told you and your team like you're getting the rematch, right? Like this is there is yes. just no other option. This is there's no other fight. You guys are running this back sometime in 2021.
7: Yes, I mean after the fight, uh, Dana White uh, had an interview with. Uh, Megan, and I and I was waiting for the, the interview too, and um, then I was finish the finish the, the interview and, and come with me and my team and say, hey, uh, enjoy the the Christmas, enjoy your family, spend time with with them, and uh, see you next week. You know, do do have the rematch definitely.
2: It was a, the the judges scorecards were all over the place Brandon like yeah. you, you said you thought you won the third round there's a lot of people who thought you won the third round not one judge gave you the third round all of them gave you the fourth round one gave you the second round but one judge gives you the fifth round which I thought was really interesting did you know that did you know that one judge no, gave you the I'm fifth about- round I mean, I,
7: right now I'm trying to stay like a little bit far of you know the the media the analysts you know to Put my, my mind uh, clear again. But, man, to be honest, I, I feel I won the two and four. The second one was close. I lost the first one. Uh, but I think I, I, I lost the, the piece, you know, just for the end of the round, you know, because he take me down and throws a, uh, like a two or three punches directly to my face. So that's why I think I lost the fucking fifth round. But, man, I know, I mean... That is the reason when you leave the, the the decision to the judges. And I understand that.
2: So the, there were obviously a couple of moments in the fight that, that halted momentum for a, for a little bit. First off, the second round, you land the takedown, you get on top, and while Davison's on his back, he gets you in the eye and Jason Herzog stops the action. What happened there, if you don't mind me asking?
7: Man, first of all, I have too much respect for Jason. I think he's amazing. He's one of the most amazing reference right now but i don't know man i understand when you poke one time the eye you know i understand one even you know even two but three in a row like man i don't know
2: so he got you he poked you in the eye three times in that moment
7: at least i feel it you know i feel the first one and I'm not sure. I need to watch all the fight again. But man, this this I think was a poke eye. I, I'm not sure. I I I I can't uh, say completely saying uh, sure was up the the eye poke. But I feel it. I feel his his uh, finger in my eye like three three times at least.
2: And then the third round was probably the most pivotal moment in the entire fight. It was the low kick. That was just, man, I felt so bad for you, man. You're clearly in a lot of pain. You're, you're coughing. I thought you were going to throw up all over the octagon. Was that like the worst pain you've ever felt in the fight? Man,
7: no problem. I have three kids. So my, my wife was like, ah, I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> 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 <Can> I- <laughs> man. Yes man, it well, was very painful, you know I, th- I I think it was the first time I take my time. you know I was when something like that happened it's like, oh I'm fine I'm fine I want to fight. but Jason yes, cursor comes with me and say, man you-, you realize you can take your time like oh fuck man uh, okay, I need to take my time. I tried to go really fast to the fight because I know was- I knew uh, Figueredo was getting tired but just i i can do
2: it <laughs> yeah i was gonna ask you by about that because everyone's like oh he better take the full five minutes here and you were just like you you could tell that like you were conflicted you were like should i just get back in there 60 after this incredible pain that i'm in yeah. but you, you it was like you found a halfway point between taking the full five and just
7: getting right back in there yes i mean again i i i, I saw figueredo, you know i saw figueredo was like uh, with his uh, uh, brief, very, very hard, you know, brief. And I tried to uh, recover yourself, recover yourself, go fast to the fight. But no, uh, just like, just I can do it. Just, after that, I was very angry. angry. I ain't trying to push forward in, the, in that third round and finish strong that round. And, and I think I do it.
2: Yeah, I thought as soon as you got back in there, you, you won the rest of that round for sure. When the final horn sounded... You two just stood in front of each other and you just like screamed at each other. It was like one of my favorite moments of the entire night. Honestly, it was like this primal moment you guys had that you just knew you went to war for 25 minutes. What is that like to share something like that with another person going toe to toe for a world championship like that for 25 minutes in front of the world watching? What was that like when that final horn sounded for you?
7: Man, I was very excited. I was so excited in that moment because uh i I, I go again with this. I show to the people uh, I, I'm I'm real. I'm real in this sport, you know. A lot of different media say, you know, don't give me like any any single opportunity to win the fight, you know. I understand because Figueroa looks amazing in his last uh, fight, you know, with Joe with uh, with Alex Perez, um, but man, I'm just a Mexican kid trying to do something here. Um, Figueredo is a human being just like me, Um, and I try to show to the world I can do something in this sport, and that's it.
2: I'll have you know, Brandon, that we did our preview show for the event on Friday, and Michael Chiesa was my special guest. And he picked you to win the fight. He yeah. thought you were going to win. He said, there's something something amazing in the air. He thought you were going to go in there and, and pull it off. And he was so close, man. He was so close to getting that right. Um, we found out, and I don't know if you even know about this by now, but we found out after the fight that... Davison Figueroa was hospitalized the night before with stomach issues. Uh, he spoke with the SPN along with his manager, Waleed, and he said that he was in the hospital twice. I guess he got food poisoning, all sorts of craziness. Did you know about this at all? Because it seems like this fight, in a way, almost didn't happen on Saturday night.
7: Man, that are excuses. <laughs> Man, to be uh, to be honest, that is very normal. I mean. It's not fine, but it's normal, you know. I I had I had like two I had two fights in the company where I feel very sick, and I went to fight, you know. I never say nothing, never say nothing until this moment, and um, because man, had excuses. I mean, they know why. Don't go to my hotel, to my room, and put the a gun in my in, in my head, and and say me, hey, you need to go to the fight. No it's my responsibility if he, was, if he was sick and he doesn't feel really good why he take the, the fight i understand you know he was there and he's the main event he he has some responsibility with with the company but at the end of the day it's our rest it's our problem you know i can make excuses too you know with my arm you know to be honest, I mean to be honest with you, my left arm was in the fifth round was destroyed, you know, destroyed, completely destroyed. I tried to go forward. I can do it in the fifth round. It's fine. Okay, it was a draw. I'm almost, almost lost. If I if I lost that night, it's fine for me. Okay, maybe he's trying to sell the rematch again, saying that like, hey, if I was healthy, I knocked this guy out. Man, come on. I don't know. It's fine.
2: So you didn't know before the fight that this that no. this happened?
7: No, Very no, no. To be honest, no.
2: He he told the ESPN that had he not gotten sick the night before, the fight wouldn't have got out of the first round.
7: <sighs> Man, come on, come on! <laughs> Again, no, no way. <laughs> can,
2: can can I ask you one thing about the about the the scoring in MMA right now? Um, I'm curious. Had you have known the scores, like I don't know if if you've seen like Invicta, Invicta has when they do their events in Kansas, they have open scoring. So the fighters know like what the scores are after each round. Yeah. Would you have liked to have known what the scores dread in the fourth round? Like, are you a proponent for open scoring, especially after having a fight like that on Saturday?
7: Maybe that man, good question. You know, because if uh, I knew the score until the fifth round, maybe you know, not with my left arm, maybe I try something crazy, you know, like throw throw something crazy, like spinning shit or something like that. Um, that may, um, no knew that maybe help me, you know, in the fight. But uh, I'm, I really believe. We are good, you know. I think just the judges need to be more prepared, you know. not not just boxing judges, you know. We need we need people with more experience more experience about mixed martial arts. I think so.
2: Two last things before I let you go. I know you gotta go get that arm checked out. Yeah. Obviously, you got the rematch to look forward to in 2021. I know you're not even really thinking about that right now because when we last spoke, you said win, lose, or draw. Win, lose, or tie, after this fight, we're going on vacation. Me and the family, we're getting out of here. And obviously, you have to heal up and stuff. If you had to guess, when do you think this rematch happens in a perfect world?
7: Uh, I mean, in a perfect world, I prefer April because I need to recover myself very well. Go to uh, to Tijuana and start to, to train, you know, slowly, you know? step-by-step. Step. Um, and then Megan, again, you know, training camp, game plan, you know. Uh, but I can I can be ready even in March, you know, maybe in March. April is better for me. Uh, May or June is, is too much, I think. so.
2: Yeah, April. A- April seems like the sweet spot, Brand Gives you time to heal up, gives him time to heal up, full camps, and then we get after this thing. And you know what's crazy is you realize you might actually be spending like 50 more minutes with him in there because if you beat him in the rematch, they're likely going to do it again. And then if he wins, you're going to do it again. You guys could be tied together and fighting each other for like a year now, maybe more, right?
7: Have you thought about that? Yes, brother. And um, I think that make, can make uh be more, uh, the Flyweight division more excited, you know? And that makes me feel, I'm proud, proud, too, because everybody talked about, you know, like Henry Sejudo, he saved the, the division and I, and I believe it. I believe that to be honest. And Davidson Figueroa uh, keep the division. Uh, uh, you know, Brandon Moreno maybe can help on that. That made me feel nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. Listen, I, I, I know you gotta go but I just want to say, incredible fight. One of the best I've ever seen and it's just, it's so wild, man. Like, you were the 16th seed on the <laughs> Ultimate Fighter You got released, and then you earned your way back into the UFC. You fight to a draw in a fight that everybody thought you won, and then you earned your way to a title fight. Did it on three weeks' notice after beating Brandon Royval, and now another one after that unbelievable battle. You are no longer the assassin, baby, Brandon. You are the assassin warrior. You're the assassin man, Brandon Moreno. Happy holidays. Enjoy the time with the family, and I cannot wait for this rematch, man.
7: Man. Nah, make me feel excited, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Enjoy, too, the Christmas, your family, everything This these last weeks of the this crazy 2020. We'll see what happened in 2021, but I, I know we will be awesome.
2: All right, man. All the best to you. You're listening to the
3: Vox Media Podcast Network.